Ministry Mentorship, Episode 4. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministries. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Pastor Wayne Huntley about some very important topics that I know you're going to enjoy. Let's join the conversation now. Okay, we're here today with Brother Wayne Huntley, and he is a Texas Bible College graduate. He's been an evangelist. He's preached at events all over the country, and he's ministered to young people in particular. He loves young people. And he's very passionate about passing along the apostolic doctrine, apostolic truth to young people. Uh, Him and his wife have served as senior pastor at Temple of Pentecost in Raleigh, North Carolina for 35 years. And his daughter and son-in-law, along with their family, are pastoring with them. This program is designed to help young ministers develop in their ministries. And that's something that Brother Huntley has done consistently uh, over the past several years. And, and Brother Huntley, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. It's my high privilege. Well, we're talking about ministry and, and developing in our ministries. How do we develop our passion for ministry? Well, I think there's a variety of aspects that can fuel passion. First of all is our personal excitement and gratitude to Jesus Christ for our salvation what it has meant in our lives, the difference it has made for us, and the fact that if Jesus has done it for us, number one, we're in debt to share it with the world, and number two, if he's done it for us, he can do it for anybody. And so our personal salvation is a a fuel for passion. Another thing is to never lose sight of the sacrifice of redemption, what Jesus Christ endured to bring salvation to the world, to make it available, and for us to be granted the privilege of sharing in that redemptive work with him, to carry his sacrifice to others and honor his sacrifice, is a high privilege. Along with that is uh, to develop a sincere conviction, heartfelt love for the truth, that causes us to do more than to defend it, but to declare it and to give it high profile in our lives. And, of course, that is in the face to opposition of error, deceit, and false doctrine of our generation. Another thing is to never lose sight of the eternality of souls, the fact that people everywhere are going to spend eternity somewhere, and that when we have the truth, we have their blood upon our hands unless we release this gospel to them and declare this gospel to them. Also, we need to be aware, Paul said a lot of his passion was rooted in this statement, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, I persuade men. Our passion should be rooted in the horrible, eternal punishment of those who do not obey the gospel and live for Jesus Christ. Another area that I have been fueled in my passion 
is I'm challenged by sports figures, entrepreneurs, and celebrities who do all and give all and will be all for their causes that are far less than our privileged opportunity of ministry. I am determined that they will not do more for gold than I will do for God, and that my life is going to be sold out to Jesus Christ as theirs is sold out for fame and fortune, popularity, and prosperity. So that's pretty much what keeps me motivated, inspired, and fuels my passion for ministry. And that and that's something that that you've obviously cultivated for many years. You know, I was at a conference uh, a few years ago, and you told a story about when you went out preaching and you you took a guitar with you. And uh, mm-hmm. even though even though you didn't know how to play, tell us tell us about that and how. All right, let, let me clarify that position, that statement. Back in the day when I was evangelizing, almost every evangelistic team had to provide their own music. Churches were not as blessed as we are today with third and fourth string musicians sitting waiting for an opportunity to play. The churches were not blessed with music, so to be able to to bring uh, uh, some music to a church was a strong appeal for opportunity and invitation. So I felt pressured to try to, Now, I didn't just carry the guitar. Honestly, I did learn to play a little bit, but it was reproachful. But I did it anyway. I, I, I did carry the guitar. I did play it. Mm-hmm. My wife played the accordion. I played the guitar. But if someone would have listened very carefully, uh, they would not have been edified or blessed. <laughs> But I did it with all my heart as under the Lord because I was willing to do whatever it takes to have revival. I, I appreciate what you're saying about cultivating that desire, that whatever it takes kind of desire, because I think a lot of times we're we're waiting for the perfect moment, the perfect opportunity to come. And that doesn't always that doesn't it rarely does that ever happen. Well, Jesus Christ has never demanded perfection. He's always chosen the weaker vessels taking the things that are not to confound the things which are and those of lesser ability to win victories in his kingdom and calls against physical odds that are insurmountable for the purpose that he would get glory and honor out of it. Talk to that young person right now that that's saying, you know what, Brother Huntley, I don't have a background in ministry. Uh, none of my family's in church or, or maybe... You know, my parents are saints in the church, and they're living for God. And, you know, how do I—does that matter? I mean, what what can they do? The Bible said a man's gift will make room for itself. In God's kingdom, there is no lasting, permanent pedigree positioning or profiling that exempts anybody. I do believe that God would like to keep the Levitical priesthood in order. I do believe that God would like for every minister's son and his daughters to be used of God in ministry. However, there's a big world out there, and so he steps outside the natural uh, order of, of following the event, and he puts a call upon people's lives. And you don't need to feel uh, handicapped or uh, disadvantaged because you do not come from a ministerial background. What you need to do is dedicate yourself to three things. Number one is to know God and be known of God. Number two is to learn the Word, to know the Word. 
And number three is to study and learn to know people, how to become a people person, how to develop a relationship with people that creates a demand for you. And, of course, one way that you can do that is to develop a ministry of encouragement. If you will be an encourager, there will always be a need and a demand for you. And then also you can uh, make yourself available in whatever area of opportunity comes in your local church. Just be available. Preach a sermon, and the heart of the message is be there. Be faithful. Be dependable. Be reliable. And maybe there would be others that have greater talent. But availability has always been viewed as a top talent and priority with God. And and that even plays into not just our home church, but also even in our district, even in our even in the United Pentecostal Church. Talk about the bigger picture, how they can influence not only at home, but even in their district, even in even in the nation. Well, the Bible says to let no man despise thy youth. And I think what that is referencing, and there is a move of God that's getting ready and is even beginning to swing across the fellowship, and that is the awareness and the acknowledgement that there's a place in the kingdom of God regardless of age. God has never had an age uh, limit on those that he has used, or those that he has blessed. He's capable of using us, even in our youthfulness, uh, for the kingdom of God. When I was just a teenager, I was a Sunday school superintendent in my local church. Now, they were desperate for help, but there was a place of training for me. Also, my pastor, when I was a teenager, allowed me to be the master of ceremonies, to introduce him to preach. And you can be involved in outreach. You can be involved in teaching. You can be involved in prayer. Uh, you can be involved in, in all areas of the ministry because really there is no age limit on service to God's kingdom. It's just a matter of making yourself available and being faithful and being dependable and being teachable. Absolutely. Now, who were your mentors and how did they impact your life? There are three men that greatly challenged me, influenced me, and left indelible marks in my mind reference to preaching. One of them is Brother Wayne McLean in Texas, who is my pastor. When I went to Texas Bible College, he was there near the Bible College pastor, and somehow the Spirit linked us together. I asked him to be my pastor, and for all these years, ever since I got out of Bible College, he has fulfilled that role of pastor in my life, which has been, to me, of greater value than I could ever express. His godliness, his holiness, his commitment, his consecration, his prayer life, he's truly one of the greatest Christians I've ever met. And he challenged me in the area of spirituality, praying, fasting, loving the Word of God, being a Christian. Secondly, there was T.F. Kinney, who has been, like none other, a man of the ability to uh, apply the Word of God to every area of life and everything that happens in life. 
Brother Kenny has a scriptural reference for everything that goes on in the world. He has a grip on the Bible, um, uh, an ability to recall scripture and apply scripture. And that challenged me to be like that in, in his ability to handle the word. And then thirdly is Kenneth Phillips, who is no longer in the United Pentecostal Church, but years ago was one of the most profound evangelist soul winners of his era. Brother Phillips influenced me with a passion for soul winning and teaching Bible studies and being a, a person that would reach to the lost. And so I tried to put those three men, their spirits, their individual attributes into my life and then filter them through me and that I could grasp from each of them their expertise and apply it to my ministry. Let's just say there's a young person, they're, they're in a church, maybe a smaller church, 15, 20, maybe even 50 people at the most, and they're saying, you know, I don't get to go to general conference. I maybe don't even get to go to youth Congress or any, you know, quote unquote, big events to maybe meet some of these people. How would you, what would you say to that young person that's saying, how do I make those connections? Well, I would go to my pastor and ask him to help me get DVDs, CDs of these particular men that they have heard about. Uh, and hook me up some way with their ministries. I would like to study ministry, prepare myself for ministry, and I would like to be able to be in, uh, be involved with their ministries more. And uh, I believe a pastor would assist them in that, and that would be a way that maybe they could access uh, the impact of that ministry without ever being privileged to have opportunity to sit down and have a meal with them or, or just have opportunity to talk to them. But I'd also say that if they are ever at a conference, a camp meeting, and you see one of these men, an influencer, someone you admire, do not be reluctant to approach them and, and ask them anything you want to ask them. And even before you leave, ask them, would they lay their hands on you and pray for you because you are passionate about serving God and you want to be used to the Lord and you would like for their mantle of blessing to be upon your life. I don't know any preacher that that would, um, that that would upset, or I think it's a great compliment. You know, what would you say to that young person that right now they're serving as uh, a number two man or a number two woman? They're, they're the assistant. What would you talk to that person right now about their role and, and what you see in that in that aspect? Well, your first responsibility when you are serving with someone else in a leadership role under their tutelage is to find out what their vision is. What is the senior pastor's vision for this church? What are his goals? What are his ambitions for that local church or local ministry? And then make it your job to the best of your ability to assist him in reaching the fulfillment of his goals and his dream. Joseph, in order for his dream to become true, had to help several other people's dreams become realities in order to experience his own. And the Bible said in 
Luke 16 and 12, If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? So you prove yourself faithful to the to the cause, to the purpose. You celebrate his vision. You make yourself available to that man, and uh, you back him 100%. If you cannot back him 100%, there's either two things that you must do. That is, be silent or move away. Because you, anything with more than one vision is creates division or division. And it puts you in a problematic position, and you will never, never win uh, in a contradiction with leadership. You either have to be quiet or you have to relocate. You know, and I think this brings up another point, the flip side of, of some of this, like going to conferences and looking at some of these other men uh, that are leaders and influencers. At the same time, as we look out there, we have to have a hand in the local church and be working and, and being faithful uh, instead of just thinking, well, I'm just going to be like that person and maybe just travel all over preaching at camp meetings. Well, that's not reality. No. No, you, you have to, whatever you're doing in a local church, you have to do it as unto the Lord with no ulterior motive. If you have an ulterior motive that you're going to do this to win favor with the pastor in order to do something else, you're going to end up, having your feelings hurt and bitter and possibly even being lost. Now, what has helped you in sermon preparation? Well, when I was in Bible college, I learned a simple principle from one of our teachers there who said that he taught his Sunday school teachers that when you finish your Sunday school lesson on Sunday morning, that night before you go to bed, you read the next week's lesson, and you acquaint yourself with the basic thought. And you give yourself more time to ruminate and to uh, expand your thought patterns than you do by jamming yourself up on a Saturday night in preparation for a Sunday morning. So one thing I began to do is to realize that preaching is not what I do. Preaching is what I am. And that 24-7, I'm gathering mental materials, physical materials. I'm putting some thoughts away. I'm writing them down. I'm, I'm recording them. They may be for a later time. They may be for a week or two. They may be for this coming Sunday. But I, I put aside seeds and thoughts and statements that I've heard others say, or even conditions that are existing that need to be addressed. I listen to the voice of the Spirit. I listen to the voice of the congregation. I listen to the voice of other ministries. I listen to my own voice as to what I need to hear and what am I questioning. What is in the atmosphere, in the realm of the need of ministry? And I categorize these things, and at some point, the, the, the Word of the Lord will come to match that need. And so I want to be always looking for needs that can be met by ministry. And I want to always be gathering materials, not knowing when that may be the very thing that I need. And uh, preparation, long-term preparation and accumulation uh, adds impact to whatever you do and say. 
what are some of the resources that you use frequently in studying and preparation? Well, I'll be honest with you. I have a large, I have a resource of books that I have read, that I've gone through. And that, uh, but as far as really uh, uh, gathering material from those books for men that are not really anointed of God and are not apostolic, it's been very minimal. My resource is I listen to media to know what's going on in the world. I listen to other apostolic ministries. I can gather more thoughts from listening to one of our preachers preach than I can reading 10 books of dead denominational pastors. The anointing will tap my spirit, and I will not even be along the same vein of thought that they are, but the spirit takes what they're saying thrusts me into a whole new idea and thought, and I get more out of listening to other apostolic ministries than perhaps just uh, materials. But everything to me is a sermon illustration. Everything is a sermon thought. And I learned this from one of my mentors. I quoted him a while ago as one man that influenced me, Kenneth Phillips. And Brother Phillips said years ago, he who has prayed well has studied well. By that, I'm indicating not not uh, promoting ignorance or lack of study as far as being prepared, but our study needs to be of the Spirit of Jesus Christ and of what is relevant in our world right now, and then drawing from the resource of our personal lives and those that are around about us and the materials that we can read. And, of course, let me just say this. There is no resource like the Bible to read the Bible and to read other versions of the Bible, other translations of the Bible for expanding thoughts uh, and commentaries to read those things. And to I like, I like to read about Jewish history and sometimes get insight from Jewish tradition as to what a scripture is saying, and that can bring revelation. You know, one thing that I've, I've talked about with some of, some of my friends and some of the things that I've heard is young people saying, uh, I want to preach more, or I want to I develop my preaching ministry. And back uh, maybe 10, even 20 years ago, when you did a revival, you would preach every night for a period of weeks, and young people, it seemed like they could preach more if they were starting out, like it say they wanted to evangelize or even in pulpit ministry. How do we find those times as a young person? How do we preach more, I guess, is the question. Well, you are putting your finger on the very nerve of a situation that we have neglected in Pentecost. And there again, I would like to encourage all of our young ministers. There are programs that are being developed right now in some districts that I think will spread across our fellowship that will create venues for opportunity to preach. If we're going to promote ministry, they must have opportunity. And in my travels, I share personal um, platforms in our church that we use to give young ministers preaching opportunities. And I see a great door of opportunity opening itself with um, preaching points that are going to be a, a, a priority in our movement more than ever before. 
sending groups to a neighboring city for uh, one service a month or one service a week under the guidance of the pastor and just go and preach. And and uh, I think those things are going to, to uh, have a revival because we went through a period of time where men only wanted excellence and they only wanted what would prosper their church instead of realizing that we owe a debt to contribute to the ministry that's coming behind us. All of us, probably when we started, should never have been paid to preach. We should have paid people to let us preach. <laughs> that is so true. You know, to have the opportunity. And <laughs> to take any opportunity anywhere, in a rest home, uh, on a street corner, uh, in, a, in a daughter work somewhere that's struggling and needs somebody to go fill in, uh, and, and be prepared to preach, and be cognizant of, how to preach and what to preach and time factors and be respectful. And when you get your window of opportunity, you can't blow it. You gotta you gotta work within the framework of whatever you're asked to do. When they say take ten minutes, you go nine minutes. When they say twenty minutes, you go eighteen minutes. You don't exploit your opportunity. No matter how energetic you are, excited you are, and uh, nothing succeeds like success. And all of our pulpits in the United Pentecostal Church are governed by pastors. Uh, laity has little to do with who gets the pulpit. So your your objective is to please pastors, please the Lord, and be very careful about your opportunities when you do get them. That's excellent. That's great. I, I'm I'm excited, and I think in the next ten years there's going to be an explosion of opportunities, and there's going to be an explosion of growth, and we're going to need every person to be to have their hand on the plow, so to speak. It, it's coming. You're I really exactly feel that. Right. That's the spirit. That is the next wave of apostolic ministry that God is going to raise up because we're getting ready because of world conditions, because of the, the generation of religiosity, and the boredom of dead church and the demands of, of seeing upon the lives of people not being given what they need to overcome their problems. Doors are going to open so fast that we're going to have to be ready to put our, our ministries in place. And the church needs to be preparing right now for that next great revival stage. What characteristics do you look for or do you do you see, do you think are important in a young minister that's just starting out in their ministry? First of all, the ministry is a ministry of servitude. Ministry is not aggrandizement, large platforms, mass crowds. Ministry is serving Jesus Christ one-on-one and humanity one-on-one. So one thing that we need to work at is to develop a ministry, an attitude of servitude. I've always I've used this of late, and I'd like to drop it in right here. Well, how do I know if I have an attitude of servitude? There's one sure way to know if you have a servitude attitude, and that is this. How do you respond when you're treated like a servant? When you are treated like a servant, do you get mad, puffed up, egotistical, frustrated, angry? Or do you submit to that voice that is pressing upon you some 
necessary burden for you to bear, a job for you to do. Anybody can be great because anybody can be served, can serve. And Jesus said that the greatest among you be the servant of all. I think you need to serve not only your leadership and your elders, but if you want to demarcate yourself in the sight of God, serve your peers. Be a servant to your peers. Secondly, I look for passion. Passion is the greatest ingredient for success in any avenue or venue of life. It doesn't matter what it is. People separate themselves through passion. Passion is a flaming, burning enthusiasm and desire and zeal to do what it is that you have committed your life to. Thirdly, there is a burden. A burden is located by soul winning, prayer, working the altars, responding to needs that are in the church. That's a burden. And then a teachable spirit, being willing to hear and to put into work in your life, apply what you're taught, not being a hearer only, but a doer. And then finally, an incredible respect and awe of ministry to where that you would never do anything to disrespect, damage, or hinder the work of the Lord in another minister's life. A great respect for ministry. Well, this has been a, a great interview, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us and connect with us. Do you think you could just take a minute and and just pray for that young person right now, that they feel the call of God in their life, and uh, they they've really they want to put some of these things that you've talked about into practice? Would you just take a minute and pray for that young person right now? Certainly be my privilege. Father, in the name of Jesus, as you look upon the harvest field of ministry that is ready to go forth and to reap a ready worldwide revival that your spirit has prepared. Somewhere today, there's a young man, a young lady, a salty tear has kissed their cheek. They've not known exactly what preempted it or what caused it or where it came from, but they feel that God is dealing with their soul with their hearts. I pray that initial touch, that gentle hand of the Spirit that's brushed their soul would become protracted until it would become a heavy, unavoidable, inescapable weight that would press them to an altar of submission and surrender and yielding to the perfection of the will of God. I rebuke fear that would hinder them from giving all. I rebuke peer pressure that would antagonize them and, and restrict their, their radical surrender to the work of God in their lives. Give them a burning, flaming passion to be used of God. I pray that you would quicken their minds with divine inspiration and revelation. I pray that you would give them gifts, talents, expertise, and abilities that would horrify hell and honor heaven. Use them for your glory, for your honor, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Huntley. We've, we've been honored and blessed to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the great privilege. And God bless you for this endeavor. 
bless all of those that will have opportunity to be a part of it.